You punched me in the face. You made me walk through shitty water. You brought me to a fucking crackhead house. And now? I'm gonna have to kill this fucking clown. Welcome to the Losers Club, asshole! It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. And welcome back to Reboot Deboot. I'm your co-host, Griffin. I am the other co-host, Alex. And uh, tis the end of the season. Yep. Yep. The end of the holidays here. Or <coughs> one left, I guess. How was your, uh, how was your Christmas, Alex? Uh, it was good. Pretty, uh, pretty small. There was like five of us. It was cool. You and the direct fam? Uh, most of them. My sister and her husband intentionally went out of town and spent the spent Christmas by themselves. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yeah, but I think they might have had to come back into town because sister-in-law was being proposed to or something, like at their other oh. family's place, and they found out the morning of and had to drive. I don't know if they actually drove back or not. But, okay. Yeah, I don't know. That was uh, yeah, Christmas in the new casa, right? Yeah, yeah, new house. Um, it was good. We did, the, you know, the kids showed up in and out, and Alicia and I celebrated on. We celebrated on uh, Christmas Eve because we were going to leave Christmas for the kids. Mm. Well, we do Christmas so. Eve for everyone, but that's like because we're Scandinavian, I guess. It's just is that a Scandinavian thing? Uh, apparently, yeah. Well, we've done it my whole life where Christmas Eve like night has been the time where everything happens and then Christmas morning is mostly people sitting around hungover and like eating candy and leftovers. Sure, of course. <coughs> um Yeah, uh I, I'm starting a I wanna start a board game night here. Mm. So I picked up uh Munchkin. Oh, the yeah. Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. Uh, Forbidden Island is, we've played that before on Tabletop Sim, right? That's where it like floods yeah. and you have to go and do different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, those are cool games. Those are some good ones. Yeah. Um, there are a few more. I want to pick up Fury of Dracula, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, um, a, f- a few other like tabletop games like that. <clears throat> more Munchkin variations. Uh Aside from that, um, been playing this uh, Wild West vampire game uh, called Evil West. It's pretty good. I have been playing a game called Vampire Survivors. Pretty addictive. What's that about? It is. I'm about to throw out a lot of buzzwords here. They all mean sure. stuff, but it's a, it's a like top down kind of like twin okay. stick shooter thing with like okay. SNES era graphics. Um, sure. And then it's I'm a with mixture, you. It's a mixture of like an auto clicker and a roguelike. So you start with a character, they have a weapon, it fires on a constant interval. Um, and usually it fires in one direction. So you have to like orient your character properly to kill stuff. You collect experience, sure. you level up, you get new weapons and upgrades. And then like 
waves of enemies change every minute in the level, and you basically go until you die or until you make it to 30 minutes, and this Reaper thing comes out and kills you. And then you try and unlock stuff. I don't know. Okay. Fun. 30 minutes is the time frame? Like, if you have a good run, it'll last 30 minutes. I've only. But at 30 that minutes, like that's it. Four. I think you might be able to kill the thing that comes out and kills you because one time I had this item that like freezes people in time and I was able to like, so normally what happens is at the 30 minute mark, all the enemies disappear and this big grim reaper thing comes out and just like floats straight to you very quickly. And then you like insta die. Sure. And one run I was playing, I had this item where it goes around in a clock pattern around you, freezing people like in a, in a straight line away from you. And he appeared right where that thing fired us, froze him and I was able to do damage to him. Um, really? For a, yeah, for a bit, and then he came back and got me. So, wow. Well, know, there might that's there. yeah. Now you got to chase it down. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Evil West is a. It's kind of like um. I don't know, like Devil May Cry uh Cry esque. Mm-hmm. Like Atkinson you're this cowboy. You yeah, you're using like. Tesla s weapons against these vampires set in like the West. It's pretty cool. I dig it. Um, still doing Rainbow, uh, and then I'm waiting on a waiting on a few games. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is coming out soon as a game. Yeah, it's it's like an asymmetrical horror. It's three v seven. Oh, weird. Okay, There's I know. I'm very excited for some it. Teens or something. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. Um, for Spoken, I'm kind of keeping an eye on. There's a game called Wild Hearts I'm keeping an eye on. So, uh, um, moving on to the uh, to the non-video game part of the podcast. Check out Castle. I've been watching it. Oh, Alicia and I have been watching Castle. Oh, the uh, Nathan Villian show. Okay. Yeah, it is. He is a writer. And uh, he ends up following this cop around, and they end up solving murders in New York together. That says like murders but, uh, he wrote, but the cop is competent. Yes. Okay. Um, and if you like Nathan Fillion, this is Nathan Fillion goodness. Nice. So, in one of the episodes, they even have a Firefly reference. Cool. Okay. Yeah, um, but it, it's a cool show. I dig it. I like Nathan Fillion's character a lot. Uh, he has the most adorable, innocent, sweetest daughter in the history of like television writing. She's just like the most wholesome character ever, and it's really their relationship is really um like heartrending and like warm. Mm-hmm. I so like that's cool. Characters that have like uncomplicated good relationships with each other. It, nice. it it is it is <laughs> he is like the best dad <laughs> on the planet, and he she is like the most like the sweetest daughter and the way they interact is just, it, it's really like heartwarming. Like it's really sweet. It's a good show. Castle's very good. So yeah. Yeah. Not everyone has to be Walt from breaking bad TV. Yeah. Perso- yeah. So, and there's a lot of like decent humor in between the grizzly murders and shit. Nice. Um, so it is like a procedural crime kind of detective thing, or yeah, yeah. Rick, uh, Rick Castle is a uh, mystery writer, right. and in the first episode, there is a killer who's going around mimicking the murders from his books, and the detective happens to be a big Rick Castle fan. Mm. And Rick Castle, because he's the celebrity, he knows the mayor, he knows the DA, he knows all these judges, all these cops, and they think it's good publicity 
when the press find out that this writer is hanging out with the NYPD. So they're like, no, keep following him. Like, keep, keep following her. It's okay. And like the mayor gave them his approval. So now he's allowed to like shadow this detective. Okay. I think I will check that out. That sounds fun. It is. It's pretty good. It's pretty fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, oh, did you see Glass Onion? I did. I watched it like two nights ago. I, it was a lot of fun. Okay. So what did you think of Glass Onion? I thought it was great. A lot of fun cameos in it. Uh, everywhere, a like, lot of having Yo-Yo Ma explain that Bach movement is pretty hilarious. Having him just drop in out of <laughs> nowhere. Did you okay when they have the flashback at the Glass Onion? Did you notice that Edward Norton is dressed up exactly like Tom Cruise from Magnolia? Is he? That's pretty funny. I oh, laughed because he's got so a hard ponytail and the vest and stuff. That's and the, what that this, was. I yeah, noticed. I was like, that's... why does he look like that? But. That's pretty funny. I, I, I started laughing. I had to pause the movie. And Alicia's like, what? I'm like, did you ever see Magnolia? He's like, no. I'm like, you need to Google Tom Cruise and Magnolia and click images. Because this is genius. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I really like I hope they do more of these Knives Out movies. Yeah. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Um, they are. They're so. Um, Daniel Craig doing that stuff. They're like, I love how mad he gets at like, the simplicity of the puzzle. <laughs> like. Alex, why don't you tell our audience, our hearers, what our real topic is today? Uh, okay, I will do that in a second. But first, I have a related question for you. Ooh, okay. Do you think you could take on seven 13-year-olds in a fight if you were given a single blunt weapon? So, seven 13-year-olds in a single fight? fight if I was given a single blunt weapon. Uh, how, like, are we talking like a billy club or a staff? I'm thinking something that would be like, <laughs> I actually didn't think about this. I was thinking like baseball bat or maybe like a quarter staff or something. It's, totally. Absolutely. I can take on thir- seven 13 year olds with a baseball bat. You know, th- seven 13 year olds that want to kill you. Not just like assaulting random ones. Uh, yeah, like, if they rushed me and I had a baseball bat, yeah. Because I, like, okay. If they want to kill me, I'm obviously going to have to fight back just as hard. But I've got a baseball bat, right? And, like, do you know how, like, baseball bats kill a lot of people, man. Like, like, I don't know. I, I feel like you'd hit one, maybe two, before, like, the last five just rush you all at once and... Sure, but I'm not going to stop. And start biting and stuff. I feel like the sure, but I'm not going to stop. Helpful for one, but yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like because after that, I could like okay, I'm outnumbered, but I'm also fighting to survive. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm at least taking three out for sure. Okay, <laughs> is it like goal? I feel like it should I'm be a tough least... challenge, right? Because this eldritch horror yeah. fails at it, so. Well, it's it's also, but like again, it it's seven individual bodies, and that's people, and like two, like one of them pins my arm down, another arm, you know what I mean? Like eventually, I will be overcome, but not before I take out at least three of them. So you think you're doing better than Pennywise when the when the, all the cards are out on the table, everything when all the chips land? Uh, you yeah. only killed two, yeah, right? So you think okay? Yeah, well, it, it also because like. And one of them, one of them killed themselves actually. So I don't, unless you start cyberbullying them ahead of time, I don't think you're getting that benefit either. Well, like, 
let's be honest. Those were adults. I feel like you don't think you could take on the five or six remaining adults, do you? Oh, God, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think I'd get, like, like one-on-one, me and an adult? Okay. Like, let, let's, okay. But, like, seven adults? Oh, God, no. I'd get flatlined, like, so quickly. So quick. It's not even, yeah, it, it wouldn't even be a contest. Um, I, I would get tramped. Uh, oh, yeah, no. Um, but, uh, seven, 13, like, Losers Club, like, kids? Yeah, I, I'm taking three at least. Okay. But the, like the Pennywise lost because they were like, "Ooh, we're not scared of you." If they're like, "We're not scared of you," I'm not gonna magically like. It's not gonna deplete my power or anything, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's like saying like we can make his arms into knives, so it kind of balances out. <sighs> yeah, but they still like. Also, Pennywise kills. A lot. I guess I shouldn't even. I mean, it's just that one group of seven. But okay. I mean, I guess uh, we've said the name of the thing, right? We're talking about it, the miniseries from nineteen ninety, and then the two movies from twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen. Correct. Um, he kills a lot of kids, though, right? A lot of kids and maybe some adults too. But like for a period of like three hundred years or something. And yeah, not just kids. Like he took out an entire thing of miners, dude. Like like hammer rock. Pickaxe miners, like, and he might be sort of vaguely responsible for like race and homophobia related killings, just sort of like yeah, the temperature up in Derry, right? Nineteen nineties like, Pennywise is a homophobic, fatphobic monster, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he would be well, let's get so into fast. it. Let's get into it, Alex. What is your experience with it? Uh, I have only seen, I had only seen the new movies. I was, I was pretty pumped about those. I watched them both, like, as they came out pretty cool. It's basically like, as quickly as I could. I have not read the book. I have listened to, I got the audio book. I looked at it. It's like 44 hours. And I remember <laughs> I started it. I went on a hike for like the whole day. I was out for like six or seven hours or something. I came back. I think I was still, in, I had only made it to like chapter two or something. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and I had never seen the miniseries. I'd only heard stuff about it, um, and I knew it sort of came out from the time period where there was a lot of Stephen King adaptations happening of varying degrees of quality. Like, I did see the Langoliers mm-hmm. multiple times, which is from okay. around the same era, also, like, made-for-TV Stephen King thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have really strong feelings about Stephen King. I like the weird lore <laughs> stuff. Um, sure. Or I find that interesting because I find like deep lore uh, on most stuff interesting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What about you? I know it runs a bit deeper, right? Um, I saw the miniseries, uh, not when it came out because I would have been like four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I saw it like in the 90s, like on VHS. Um, and the first draft. When I saw it, because I saw it before, I think I saw it somewhere in like 95 or something, like 96. So like when I was seven or eight, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, I I had some sleepless nights because of it. Um, And then I read the book 
when I got a little older, because my mom is a huge Stephen King fan. She loves Stephen King. She loves Anne Rice. That's where all that stuff comes from. So I read it, saw it. And then in 2017, or actually in 2015, I heard they were going to remake it. And I was intrigued because I'm like, we can finally get rid of that stupid fucking spider. <laughs> like, we can finally. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm like, it's prime. Because it part one is amazing. It part one is great. It part two kind of flounders. And that's kind of, it's good in the book. It doesn't translate so well on the screen, but also Stephen King is kind of notorious for botching his endings. Yeah, they make some pretty uh, pointed references to that multiple times in the second movie. <laughs> they do. Um, so in 2015... To the Stephen King stand-in. <laughs> so when, Steve, uh, when, when it was being talked about in 2015... Uh, I was I was like, oh, cool. I had to wait two years, and then I saw it in the theaters, and I was pumped. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the Losers Club were great. I thought Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise was awesome. And then I never saw Chapter 2 until last night. Oh, okay. Um, and I should have just stuck with Chapter 1. Well, it's not really an option for this. Right. I know. I know. Like I was, I once I was like, I was ready. I was like riding that roller coaster up and then the downtrod hits and I'm like, ah, all right. And I just like moped away. Hmm. Um, I thought there were some cool moments in the second one. I also don't really have strong feelings about this, this IP. (laughs) Sure. So, uh, it was originally published September 15th, 1986 and it clocks in at 1138 pages that's too much i know uh the miniseries would come out um in 1990 as a tv miniseries uh it would air let me see where are my notes. I have so many notes for this. Okay, so it had a budget of twelve million dollars. Okay, yeah, which is double the usual uh, television budget, right? Like it's crazy. Seven main characters, and you have two versions of each of them. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. So it came out on ABC, and it was November eighteenth to November twentieth is when they aired this. Uh, in terms of household, between both uh, part one and part two, a combi- almost 30 million households tuned in to watch it. Uh, it part one had 17.5 million, and it part two had 19.2 million households. Um. Which is staggeringly impressive. It Part 2 is also one of the most uh, videotaped television to VCR productions um, of that year. Interesting. So, uh, in the UK, uh, it had... Part 1 had 6.6 million. Part 2 had 7.6. In France... It had broken television records uh, for eyes on TV screens. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it was a commercial success as far as the uh, as far as the um, TV reception was concerned. Uh, Do you know if they yeah. translated the title at all? Like, is it called Stephen King's Il in France? It's actually called uh, Il Est Revenu, which means he came back. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, I, not exciting, right? <laughs> I just call it ill. Ill. That's, that's all you need. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah. So, Ambitious originally, when they wanted to start making this, um, it would take a lot of persuasion from a lot of different people. Because originally they wanted this to go on the big screen. But people thought that no one's going to sit down and I mean, this is pre Titanic, right? So no one wanted to sit down and like power through an Epic at the movies at the movie theater. So the idea was to get people to watch from the comfort of their own home, but then how do you push the rating system, right? Like this is a horror film. How do we rate this? Can this be shown on American TV? Blah, 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 blah. Eventually after all the legalese was sorted out, uh, it was approved. Stephen King uh, was kept from seeing the original footage by ABC, but then he threatened the network that he would not do any promotional interviews unless he saw it first. So finally he was sat down and he was allowed to watch the first hour of the miniseries as the rest was being edited. And when people asked him about that in later years, he said, it's my damn book that I worked on for three years. I deserve to see it first. Which, fair. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it follows the story of seven kids bonded through childhood trauma, through being the outcasts of a town, and uh, it follows them growing, a coming-of-age story as they deal with the insidious lesser god uh, and manipulator of the deadlights, Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Yeah, they say they really like saying deadlights in the movie, in the TV miniseries. <laughs> They do. When someone someone coins that phrase, they do not stop saying it. It's like every other sentence. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, do you want to start with 1990 miniseries or do you want to start with 27 turn? Yeah, sure. 1990, Mr. Tim Curry. Yeah. Tim Curry, man. What a good choice. Yeah, he was really cool like yeah there's something i don't know appropriately unsettling about tim curry in that role like as pennywise it's he really hits the nail on the head like he i don't know he he just he nailed it you know yeah i mean i liked him and there's full like confession here though i didn't find like pennywise particularly unsettling in this i don't know maybe it's because i've seen that version of him like disambiguated from the movie for so long sure but he's like not in traditionally like scary environments most of the time he's like very well lit just appearing out in the open and then, right like, doing some kind of slapsticky stuff yeah i, I think that's what because 
there is like the fear of clowns that people have, and I'm not scared of clowns, but I can under I, I've never been scared of clowns. I, I don't get the fear of clowns. But watching Tim Curry do the slapsticky clown stuff and then be menacing wall or like attempt to be menacing in your opinion as he's doing the clown stuff, I think that works so well. Yeah. Now I can see why see why people find it compelling. And there are a few scenes that I'm sure, like, for the time you're watching it, like, on TV, probably, like, having that clown's teeth grow into razors is pretty upsetting for a lot of people. <laughs> sure. I mean... Or, like... Yeah. He, how He rips Georgie's arm off, right? Or... Yeah. Was, I might be mixing them up. No, I mean, they, it's... They really the death is the same. The first one. They show him, Correct. like, falling back away from the gutter with, like, the blood coming out of his arm in the second... The newer one. Yeah, in the new one. Yeah. And that's all because, like, again, we're a more desensitized audience. And uh, you can get away with that on the big screen. You can't get away with that on a television household screen. Yeah. Yeah. In 1990. You know, you might be able to get away with that now in, ni- like, 2020. But in 1990, that wasn't flying on nighttime. I'm like, primetime TV. It's not happening. Um which is another thing too that like we have to remember a lot of the things that we don't see in it or even the stuff we do see in it in 1990 think of how crazy that is cuz it's being broadcast on television with commercials cut in and like you still have to make it a horror film that that's still what it is at its core so they really were pushing envelopes by showing what they showed <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially for, like you were saying, yeah, on TV. It's pretty interesting. And, you know, it's, uh, I know that it, it's hard to, often, you know, you, you've said in the past, it's hard for you to, like, put yourself in the mind of, like, a 1930s viewer or, like, someone from the 50s watching this horror movie or this movie for the first time and trying to, like, gauge its reaction because you've seen so much more and you've seen so much more visually impressive or visually terrifying effects. And even like the term made for TV movie kind of lost its meaning now. Um, But if you really try to like think back to that era of like late eighties, early nineties, the kind of stuff that was on television, like coach cheers, saved by the bell. uh, Yeah. you, You had all these like, you had all these like like Seinfeld. You had all these funny uh, three panel sitcoms or these like laugh track sitcoms, and then out of nowhere, one night on television, it's this clown with like razor sharp teeth. There's like balloons filled with blood popping. It's talking about missing kids. I mean, it, out of nowhere, you just get this nightmare appearing on your television screens. You know. Why did Unsolved Mysteries start playing? That's like some early sure. crime stuff, and that's largely about missing kids and wives. And yeah. Aliens, yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> the show sure. a lot more hokum than I remembered. I went back and watched some of it. <laughs> yeah, like Unsolved Mysteries and Outer Limits and Twilight Zone reruns. Um, yeah. But this was this is a whole other animal. To show it on like primetime TV and then AB, ABC, like the family channel, right? Is that what AB, the American Broadcasting Corporation? 
So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's you know, like ABC, the good old family channel. And then you get this, like, uh, you know, horror show for three nights, essentially, on your television screens. Um, sure, we've seen horror films. And, like, by now we've seen all the great slashers. It's 1990, so we're on, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, like, three or four or something. We're on, like, uh, Friday the 13th Part 4 or 5, Halloween 3. Like, the, the slasher is well and done. But this on your television, I don't know. It, it's uh, It's shocking, to say the least, at least for the time. Yeah, I mean, I guess there was stuff like Tales from the Crypt, right? But it's like more sort of sure. cheesy. It's a good. I like Tales from the Crypt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess there what there was a Friday the Thirteenth TV series too for a couple. Sure. Of years. Yeah. Freddy's. So, uh, it takes place in the town of Derry, Derry, Maine. Just fictional. And we follow the Losers Club. Uh, uh, we have Bill, who is the stuttering founder of Losers. His brother is the first to be killed by Pennywise. Uh, well, not the first, but uh, in the new set of murders, um, the death of Georgie is what kicks all this off. Uh, we have Beverly Marsh, who is the only female member of the Losers Club. We've got Ben Hascom, who is the uh, overweight boy, but he has a heart of gold. And he gets super hot. And he does. <clears throat> we got Richie Tozer, the uh, loudmouth comic relief. Uh, also, a young Seth Green in 1990. Yeah. And uh, is Harry Anderson the guy from Night Court? Is that who the, is the adult version of him? You're dead on correct, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> dead on correct. Uh, and John Ritter plays Ben as the adult. Yeah, I like seeing John Ritter, too. It was kind of, I mean, I guess Harry Anderson is maybe more comedic for the time. Sure. But it was weird that John Ritter was, I don't know. I felt like he would have been a better, he's like one of the more sort of comedically focused people in this, in this thing. Um, and then we have, uh, Eddie Kaspak, who is the, uh, asthmatic, um, hypochondriac kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hypochondriac of an overbearing mother. Then we've got Mike Hanlon, uh, the only POC member of the losers club, yeah, but well, with the, know, it uh, is, it is Maine. Yeah. Maine uh, sixties. Yeah. <laughs> And then we've got Stanley Uris, uh, the Jewish boy. Yep. Um, now, each of these kids have further powers slightly. Like, really? if you need something built, you go to Eddie. Oh, like they have uh, specialties if, or something. Right. Each of the losers have a little bit extra, and that's why they're able to defeat Pennywise. Um, because Stephen King likes to give all of his... Uh, most of Stephen King's uh, protagonists will have 
some form of like supernatural some kind of advantage yeah precisely it's really obvious when you get into like danny from the shining or you get into like dr sleep or if you really want to be overt and go op with it you can become a gunslinger right or just Um, like the the kid from uh, dreamcatcher who is dead, who they're all remembering, right? He had just had like some right. wild sort of psychic ability that he taught them. Right, but even then, the kids from Dreamcatcher, they all have their own abilities too. Oh, really? I guess they didn't get into that yeah. uh, cabin or in the movie. So, well, I mean, yeah, like they, there's that one guy who like twirls his finger and he can find that, he finds like that chick's lost keys and that's a, they all have their own like little psychic ability. They were all so the Losers were, like, Club given to them by... Their buddy, yeah, Duddits, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so the Losers Club have the power of friendship plus, like that's the best way to (laughs) describe it. Like the lamest power from Captain Planet, right? It's the power of friendship plus a little bit of shine. Beverly has more shine than everyone else because she has a little bit of clairvoyancy. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, they are not. And she, yeah, she's they're, they're dying when they're in the when she's like stuck in the deadlights, right? Or... Right. And the only reason why she was able to overcome the deadlights is because of that little bit of shine. Because most people just it's the deadlights is Stephen King's homage to H.P. Lovecraft and cosmic horror. Right. So most people who encounter the deadlights just lose their mind. Like it's done. <laughs> Beverly was able to survive because the power of friendship, but also she's got a little bit of shine in her, you know, like just a little bit something. In Stephen King's universe, if you have access to deadlights, it means you're like a pretty formidable creature, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Pennywise is basically like a third tier god. There's like the Crimson King, there's Randall Flagg, and then Pennywise is right underneath him. Um. He's like yeah. a step or two so, above like a Balrog in the in right. The, he, the, like, he the Tolkien style thing. Yeah, you. Uh, he's definitely not a pushover. He's no slouch, you know. Um, and which goes to say something for the Losers Club. They're able to beat him twice. <coughs> so, but yeah. So there's our cast of a uh, Losers Club, and those will actors change, characters are the same. Um. And from there on, Pennywise wakes up every 27 years to feast upon the uh, the souls and children of Derry. Mainly, he targets kids because they're easier to scare and their their fears are more um, they're simplistic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a fear of commitment or it's not like a fear of inadequacy. It's usually like a clown or a spider or fear of the dark or something, you know? So that's why he preys on children. Um. Yeah, and then there are uh, the the Bauer gang. Oh who, yeah, uh, the racist yeah. racers. Yeah, yeah. Henry Bauer and his old little group. Um, little psychopaths. Yeah, really fucking really little psychopath. Stephen King um, dreaming that shit up. I wonder if he saw someone get initials carved into them. I. <laughs> You know, the only man, at the end of the day, the only man who really knows what he's seen is Stephen King. And I don't want to know what he's seen. Like, I've read enough books to, like, wherever wherever that came from, go for it. Like, I don't want to know it, but you do you. I saw an interview with him 
a while, uh, I only remember one clip from it. I don't remember what he's being interviewed for, but he was talking, he was like, he had this line where he's like, you know, I was ahead of my time. Uh, there's some follow because no, I was ahead in my time. Like I did a lot of mushrooms. That's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Yeah. He was also like a, a massive alcoholic. And cocaine too, right? I think he kind of, yeah. I think he was an like, equal opportunity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I'm glad he's sober. Like I'm glad he never had any pitfalls or anything. Um, I'm glad he's alive still. And like, but if cocaine shrooms and alcohol addiction gets you his career, sign me up, I guess, you know, <laughs> like I don't, the only, he's so prolific. The only other person I can think of who maybe has more work than him is Volt. Or like, like Tom Waits <laughs> on the side, on the, on the music side of things. <laughs> sure like santana or something you know like i can't i don't know like it's crazy um so it took stephen king originally had the idea for it in 78 <clears throat> he would finally start writing it and uh he would finish it in 86 um Initially, the idea came to him when he crossed a wooden bridge and he thought about the old uh, kids' book, Three Billy Goats Gruff. Okay. And then he also took inspiration from uh, Real Toads in an Imaginary Garden. And then he was inspired by a sewer system, uh, the, the architecture of a sewer system. And... Uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so 1990 would come out. It, Tim Curry would go down as like Pennywise the Clown. Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Uh, classic, great book. You know, cool miniseries. And then it wouldn't be until 2017 when we were shown a new version of, uh, of Pennywise in uh bill skarsgård yeah it was like drastically different but still very very creepy I think and like really, both. really nails it yeah yeah I, I like them both i like i like curry for the 90s and i i think i'd still like curry now if he came back to put the makeup on and I like Bill Skarsgård version of uh of pennywise i think both actors understood the character I think both actors um, lay, like leaned into the character. And I mean, I think to do that well, you have to be a talented actor anyway. I think the Bill so Skarsgård think... one does a better job at being something like closer to a clown. Like he does a better job at like drawing the kids in or there's two different scenes, right? There's one like with Georgie. Where he like really does a better job at like sort of in, and this the interaction is just longer in that movie, but he does more like sort sure. of enticing of Georgie and he like is able to draw him in, um, and act kind of cutesy but in an unsettling way. And then that girl under the bleachers too, where she's like she gets yeah. she gets smart and then he like acts all wounded. I'm like ah, oh, anyway, uh, clever bastard. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, there is a. I mean, you have to like modern sensibilities and modern tropes and the desensitization of the 
movie audience for horror films, the only way to make it good is to add realism. So maybe a gentler Pennywise uh, like that, maybe like a more like a, a, a mock empathetic Pennywise is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I don't even know if it's like more sympathetic. He's just not doing Groucho Marx bits. Yeah, like, hey, hey, (laughs) you leave those alone. Those are great. It's different. I think the kids would be like, "What is happening?" I'm gonna leave if uh, yeah, (laughs) some dirty hobo clown showed up. And they do show up um, the open in a few points, but it's more of like it's still terrorizing people. Yeah. So uh Yeah, they um the character the Losers Club are pretty much kept the same, although they've added uh Beverly's father being not just physically abusive, but now sexually abusive. Yeah, it's at least heavily implied. Which again, going back to like Mm. No, no, okay. not like that. It's <sighs> they. I, I don't know. I went back and forth on like, is that what they're trying to get at? Like he, it, it is. Well, it really is. I, there's that part where like he like sprays the perfume on her and then hugs her and stuff. And then there, I was like, there's some some other weird stuff going on here. I mean, when he like touches her hair and like the, that forces her to cut it. Definitely creepy. Oh, I mean, she also, I don't know. I don't think just him touching the hair was the thing that caused her to cut it. Because I'm sure that's not the first time that's happened. But that's like sort of movie shorthand for this character is going through some big things right now. Right. Because she had also just had garbage water dumped on her and had a particularly rough day at school and then comes home. And that's like maybe the final. Well, she has like, she has the unfounded reputation of being like a hussy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, a harlot, if you will. Um, And it doesn't help that, like, she is the only female in a group full of boys, right? Uh, Like, it's not helping the reputation. Nickname before. Right. They all hooked up. Uh, But yeah, like, again, movies push the pedophile thing. They did it with Freddy, and now they're doing it with, like, uh, just. Uh, It makes things uh, creepier. Worse. Worse. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do it with Pennywise. I'm glad they didn't, like, decide to, you know... Well... want to clown around? No, I don't. Uh, like, I thought I definitely had watching these is that, like, Pennywise and Freddy inhabit very similar spaces and, like, power sets, basically. Like, a okay, lot of... He, he, this conversation cropped up last night, actually, amongst us. You could replace... In this movie... In the 2017 2019, you could replace Pennywise with Freddy Krueger and it wouldn't change a thing. Well, they, you wouldn't like, you wouldn't super duper have to change that much, but like, it's more, I don't know. Pennywise is like the, the Stephen King lore friendly version and he doesn't crack wise as much. But it's a lot of, a lot of the stuff that happens to the losers is just like waking dream terror stuff. Right. Is, you know. That's Freddy territory all over. Yeah. Um, which it's not that in the books, really. Or like even in the original, it's presented differently. And in this, I feel like they framed it wrong. Because like in the in the miniseries, it 
definitely feel there is the they do figure out that like a bunch of this shit's happening to us and we're the only ones that can see it. Right. right. It's more like shared hallucinations. Oh, well that's the vibe I got from the newer ones too. See, in this one it felt more like the entire thing where like where Ben is uh running through the um records department of the uh, library mm-hmm. and it's all like shot dark and there's he's being chased and everything and then that felt like a dream sequence like it felt like something you'd expect to see in a uh Nightmare on Elm Street movie it didn't feel unique to Pennywise hmm. yeah maybe it felt more like a waking dream as opposed to like a hallucination I and I don't like, know if that was like the way they framed it or what, but I don't know. It just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because we recently watched the Friday the 13th movies or whatever. It almost feels like this, like this feels like a much better version of one of those movies to me, um, which maybe isn't good for it, but right. Like it might be good for the genre and whole, but it's not good for the movie as an individual. Well, I don't know. I mean, I liked like I also liked both of these as a whole more than the miniseries. Um, like taken as a take because I think they have a lot of the same problems too, which is maybe again I haven't read the books, but maybe source material related is like the adult portions of both. I feel like are just kind of lackluster. You're not wrong, and I, I've said it for years. It part one is great. So the books like in the same way, like most of the events from them. No, kids. okay, yeah. The I book, think the book goes back and forth, right? Like, right, like in the mini series coming in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there are some pros and cons. Like, uh, 1990 follows the timeline where it's cutting back between the adults and the kids, and the adults and the kids, but. 2017 slash 19 uh, has more of um, like it, it has about the ritual of Chude, and we get into like the uh, Native American aspect and stuff. So between both of these movies, uh, combining them, you can actually get almost the full experience of the book. Oh, really? What is it? Yeah, a, there a, are. <sighs> there's a lot left out though. Like there yeah, are some characters who just. I mean, that's right. There, there's characters and themes that don't make it in. Um, like, uh, um, Bill or is it Bill or Mike? One of their dads has a pretty prominent part. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Um, huh. there's a lot of like little stuff like that with characters that add motivation or that so, add to a theme. And like, Bill is dealing with survivor's guilt, and there's a whole thing where he goes through that. and so yeah, it, it's complex to say the least. You don't get a you don't get what's the kid Ralph who's the little psychopath. You don't get him killing his dad in the in the miniseries. Yeah, yeah. Um, his uh, that's Henry Henry Bauer. One thing um, I didn't like that they changed, and maybe you can tell me like which one is closer to the book is they basically took all of Mike's like research stuff and gave it to Ben for the newer movies. Uh oh right how they stripped away like Mike's mini, agency and the mini well I don't know about agency but in the mini series he's like he's the group historian right he's the one who figures all this right shit out. and then in the movie it's like well Ben did it because he sucks and is like has no friends or something and so he's in the library all the time they really seem right. to remove like a lot of the Mike of it all um 
from the movies. Yeah, again, like this, every loser had something to give to the uh, to the uh, to the group. Like they were all something. I mean, um, Mike still doesn't get them all back into town, which is a big right. Deal. Um, he's the only one that remembers when he's making those phone calls, right? Right, and it, it, yeah, and like because Pennywise is still alive, their memory um, fades or whatever. Mike stays back, and thus he uh, he uh, has the pro- like the most. I'll call it like alpha memory or like prime memory. Oh, oh sure, okay, <laughs> yeah, like, like the most complete uh, one because like Beverly doesn't remember like. Macking on Ben back in the day, right? And finding out about the poem and stuff, right? Um, so I, I guess I will call it, uh, yeah, I, the <laughs> he just remembers the most stuff, it's fine, there doesn't need to be a yeah. king word for it. Um, and, and uh, Mike in the novel is the uh, the uh, researcher, yeah, that was more like the miniseries, so yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. they split up. Um, they took the book and then they split it into two comprehensive parts and they made it work best for, I guess, time allotment and easier continuity. Like it 1990 works and they took out a bunch of stuff that they didn't have time for. And then the 2017 and 2019 took out a bunch of stuff, but they added other stuff in that 1990 didn't touch on. Um, yeah, but like they maybe, still left out stuff. I feel like maybe the best like way to do it would be like some kind of, you know, <laughs> HBO style miniseries or something like a season or two of television. Where they well, it's funny you say that because they're doing a TV show. Oh, really? Of course they are. Okay. They're, it's called Welcome to Dairy. Uh, but yeah, there, so like there is a TV series coming out, but it's about the origins of Pennywise. Which is weird because it's supposed to be the origins of Pennywise, but it's set in the '60s. Is this going to be related to that show Castle Rock at all? Do you know? Um, I do not know. As far as I know, this is just going to be about Pennywise and Derry. It's going to be in the 1960s, leading up to the events of it, Part One. I wonder. I wonder how sanctioned by Stephen King that Castle Rock show is. Are you familiar with that at all? It's kind of like an amalgamation uh, I, of a lot of Stephen King stuff. I know about it. I've never watched it. So, and I've never really bothered to look it up. Like, I think Lizzie Kaplan plays a gal from Misery in it, but like a younger version. The prison yeah, I, I, mile is there. I think they might have Pennywise locked up in a cell in the bottom of it. <laughs> maybe. What? Or maybe it was someone else, but they got someone locked up in the thing. I don't know. Weird. Maybe, maybe I'll watch some of it and do a little report. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so between the miniseries and the movies, uh, they basically cover most of the book, but they leave out some, I'd say important, uh, things, character motivation, character interactions, the infamous scene, Sure, you know, um, I mean, that's like the elephant in the room whenever we talk about it, right? I think they did a better job, like character motivation. What for the adults at least? That part was better about the part two newer one. I thought they, I don't know. In the miniseries, they just seemed to 
It didn't seem like they had a lot of motivation other than killing it, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. No offense to the adults. No offense to like, <clears throat> like. I, they're not compelling. <laughs> like, none of the adults were compelling to me when I watched it. it. Like, I preferred them as kids. Honestly, dealing with Pennywise. Which Chinese restaurant food scene did you like more? Uh. Oh, actually, okay. Across the board, I preferred the miniseries because all the CGI in 2017 and 19 was so goofy. It was so hard for me to like... It was so bad. Yeah, I was, hmm. uh, I like, was... all the CGI was just... It looked goofy. and Like, the CGI in 2017 was cool, kind of, uh, with the leper and, like, the woman from the painting. But in 2019, it was just... I, Goofy. I like all the little creepy crawlies <laughs> in it. I had a fun time with them. <clears throat> but even like, even oh, like the Pennywise CGI stuff, it just looked bad. I'm like, you couldn't have spared a little more budget to make this stuff look a little better. Oh, eh, I don't know. Maybe I have a less discerning CGI eye or something. <laughs> the one part though, did you catch it? The, uh, the Rob Botton, um, John Carpenter homage in 2019. Oh, the head growing the legs. Yeah. And then yeah. Richie saying, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Oh, is that a line from. That's from what Palmer thing? says when he turns around and he sees the, the head crab. Yeah, that was good. They also had a Nightmare on Elm Street 5 thing that kept on popping up. That might have been. I think they that was did. the first time I had that thought. Like, oh, he's a lot like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I had the thought before I saw that. And then when I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, what are we doing? I know. I love that scene where <laughs> yeah. cleaning up the blood while listening to The Cure. Very fun. Oh, yeah, right? And like they have Dear God. Like, good soundtrack, honestly. Yeah, the 80s one is really good. The 2017 one, they have no like period music because it would be, I don't, I don't know what songs were popular in 2017. Dark Horse and Katy Perry be playing yeah. while the, they're being attacked by fortune cookies. Uh, Billy Eilish, right? Oh, sure. Maybe that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pennywise dancing to bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost sure that clip exists somewhere on it's the probably internet. That, that head stabilized one where he's doing the jig, but just to bad uh -huh. guy. That, that's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like with miniseries and movies the adults i find the least compelling i find it better when they're kids and they're dealing with this um yeah also the movie the second half the second movie ugh, the last third of the second movie really drags like they get to ugh. the crackhead house with an hour left to go and that's like i know the start of the final chapter. push i don't yeah yeah it's like it's hard to even call it a third act i guess it is the third act of the finale or whatever but it, yeah it's a really really long one i also don't like how so the movies are like super dark not thematically i mean they are dark thematically but like visually they were hard for me to see a lot of the time sure um <laughs> and then also occasionally there are scenes where they have like the Zack snyder green over everything which i really don't Ugh. like i'm not a fan yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah, so I don't know. I was that was nice about the the miniseries one is I could definitely tell what was happening on the screen the whole time. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, Eddie and Richie dealing with like Pennywise, and they have the doors like the not scary at all, very that was scary. Really fun. And, yeah, with the little pomeranian. Yeah. In there. yeah. <laughs> They're like, actually, it's kind of cute. <laughs> I did like Bill Hader was fun, and as the adult Richie. It was. Yeah, you gotta have yeah, some comic I relief. I, I mean, in terms of like the two quote unquote funny guys that were portrayed by various actors, sure, better than fucking Night Court. Hey now, his stand up is so bad. <laughs> Why do people clap? I mean, Richie's is yeah. not good either, but he's having like a dissociative episode. Not a fan of Trash Mouth. Yeah, Trash Mouth. Yeah, I also like with that. I don't know. I feel like that nickname. He should have been a DJ, not a stand up comedian. Right. Like in my head I had it that he was like a shock jock or something, but he's not. Does is in the <coughs> does one of them work in a radio or something? No. Okay. He's still a stand up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um No, I think uh oh maybe he is a disc jockey. I thought it was like the man of a thousand voices or something. I thought he was doing like impersonations, but it's no, you know what? Actually, I think you're because in the miniseries, he's like a late night host. Is that what he was doing? It, okay. In the Maybe yeah, he's, doing, he's like he's a late like night host, opening monologue. Or but something? in the novel, I think he is a disc jockey. Okay, yeah, I thought he was. I, th- I think radio he, guy, but I don't know. I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I need to go back and reread this book. Everyone, um, but Stephen, but King I think he is a in, DJ. Like their jobs become irrelevant immediately. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then actually Stephen King being the uh, the antique shop owner. Yeah. And what's funny, too, is like that cameo, I don't know. Like it almost, Stephen King in his own book universe follows the same rules as like Stan Lee in Marvel stuff. Sure. He's like just showing up as a watcher, but also maybe controls everything. <laughs> Or like he has the he has the capacity to. Yeah, I guess Stephen King would be slightly different because it's unclear if he knows that what he writes becomes real. In the right Stephen King universe, and like and it also really depends sick. on like what universe it happens in, right? Because like they're like they're all connected, and whatever happens in one echoes in another. So whatever book he's writing necessarily doesn't happen in his reality. Yeah, this is another thing that I thought was actually kind of neat about the whole thing. Um, just. The idea that both of these versions exist, it's very like turning of power esque, <laughs> right? Where it's like repeat Sure. Yeah, repeating cycles of stuff. Right. And like I, I said this all the time. I just want to see one gunslinger go up against Pennywise. Oh yeah. Too bad that movie bombed, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. <laughs> the Dark Tower. Is that the one they made? Yeah. Or the gunslinger. They made the No, it was Dark Tower. Tower. Well, it's in the first it was the first book of the series, right? Which is right, the uh, Gunslinger. But it was called the movie was called The Dark Tower. I have to go check that out. Do you know in your research did you come across as if these were being made with an eye towards? Because I know the Gunslinger was made because they wanted to do a Stephen King universe. Well, um, interestingly enough, um, this was be so this was done because uh, God, who uh, um, Andy Muschietti, uh, Musch- yeah, the, the director. Yeah. Yeah. The director, he is super enthralled by the Stephen King lore and like the Stephen King verse. Okay. And he wrote this to be um 
kind of connected, but there were, he was also like, after it ended at part two, he's like, well, there should be a part three. Like we can keep going. There's so much lore we can do and grow with. And then uh, now it's becoming the TV show. Hmm. So is the same guy still attached to it, to the TV show? uh, I I do not know. I, I know very little information about the TV show. Um, Yeah. It's just a, so I'm not sure how much like Dark Tower esque that it falls into, yeah. um, but I know that it's definitely kept in mind. Well, they, and they don't have any like really bad sort of glaring, confusing references to an expanded universe that doesn't exist yet, a la the Mummy that we watched. Sure, sure. Which is, which I is mean. Helpful. Bill's books are all like parody titles or like references to other Stephen King books. Yeah, right. Like he has the glowing, right? Yeah. Um, is the like the Black Attic? Was that another one he was working on? Maybe that was in the miniseries. Yeah, it was the yeah. Like he all of the books that uh, Bill is writing as an adult is uh. They they are parodies or references to Steve, to other Stephen King uh, books. Is Stephen King married to a famous actress, or is that more aspirational for the character? Uh, I don't know who Stephen King is married to in real life. Okay. I know that he uh, a cool thing I heard about him, or I guess cool depending on your perspective, was that so he's like he's consumed a lot of books in a way. Wait, that Tabitha? Didn't... Why do I feel like her name is Tabitha? I have no idea. Tabitha King. Um, I feel like I know this, but I don't know. Okay, if Stephen King is married, I believe it to be to a woman called Tabitha, but I don't know why. Okay. So Stephen King would make, if he found a book he was interested in but didn't have time to read, he would make his kids read it, and he would make his kids read it out loud and record themselves, and then he would listen to it as an audio book later. I've heard, I heard that too. Yeah, I just thought it was fun. I, I can't verify the validity of that, um, but that's got to be some, like, like form of torture almost or like that's gotta be like cruel and inhumane or like twisted at least oh no these poor kids end up very well read and one of them becomes a professional author in later life i mean both of them both of both of okay yeah but which goes to show that you know genetics aren't fair um but it's just like wait what the good writer because like Stephen King can't have two also successful yeah successful like Stephen King can't have two successful writers as children maybe it's a Clint Eastwood does not get to have like Clint Eastwood does yes but like those books but Clint Eastwood has again like Clint Eastwood has like a little clone of himself who's also an actor and it's like come on save some room for the rest of us guys like that could just be like a nepotism baby thing who is is baby Eastwood in anything that people have seen um, I've only seen him in two movies so far, and one was Suicide Squad, and I can't remember the other one. But yeah, but Baby Eastwood is making a name for himself. Uh, Eastwood. Ugh. Yeah. Oh wait, there's yeah, but, uh, he has eight kids. Holy shit! Keep it in your pants, man. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, I, I just like. Hey, read this book and record yourself and I'll listen to it later. Like, Dad, I want to go hang out with friends or like, I want to know you're going to read that and I will like, I I, I don't know. Don't make your kid do that. I think you may be raiding into 
the left. <laughs> it is one fun anecdote about making your kids be well read. I don't know if that's fun. Well, I don't know. Maybe if your mom like would force you to record audiobooks for her, you'd be uh, raking in the bucks. I don't know. I feel like maybe, okay, maybe if my mom had forced me to like dig holes in the backyard, I could be a really great slave driver at a blood diamond mine. You know, maybe. Is that how you view, mm-hmm. that's, that's how you view authors in terms of like <sighs> their sort of moral no, I'm saying, in the world? No, not all of them. Why does digging but if we're talking about, make you good at managing a mine? That doesn't make any sense. Because you know how to do it. You know how to dig holes? Yeah. Okay. You, know, you understand the proper other, way to stabilize other, it? There's lots of other mines. I don't know why you jump straight to Blood Diamond Mine. You're not even, you weren't even born in the right country for that. You would have to do <laughs> I don't know, so much other it's the stuff most, that you'd have to be Because it's for. the most horrifying, Alex. It's the most shockingly bankrupt and morally horrifying uh, kind of mine I can think I of. I think that would be a character failing on your part. Nothing that arose because you were digging holes. I don't know. It probably creates an, a that bitterness. Kid, that kid it, from it creates, didn't end up running a blood diamond mine. This it creates. On you. I mean, you don't know that. We don't know what he's done in, in his later life. All right. well, I, think I heard he moved to South Africa. This really terrible analogy. I think he moved to South Africa. Um, yeah, it's uh, between both movies and the miniseries, you can find shades of the book, and you're st- they're still leaving out a lot. Yeah, well, but if they want to I do think a that bigger like universe thing too. It's going to be kind of rough because a lot of the lore is sort of drip fed, like little bits of sure. time interspersed between a ton of thousand page books, right. <laughs> like the turtle makes an appearance on the novel and it doesn't, the turtle never even gets touched on in the book or, or in the mini series or the uh, movies. And like, there's an entire conversation with that Mike and Bill have with the turtle. And then Pennywise uses that to his advantage against Bill later. And that's never even touched on, you know? Yeah. Um, they do the ritual of Chud with like the talismans and, uh, the Battle of Wits, and they describe that a little bit, but they don't really go into detail. Like, I, I, okay, you never having read the book, how did that whole thing, did that make sense to you? Or did that just seem uh, kind of weird? The Chud. Chud. Yeah, and like the, uh, the Native American peoples and dealing with Pennywise, like, did that all make sense to you? Or did that just seem kind of like awkward? I feel like I knew what was happening, but maybe it wasn't explained super well. Um, Okay, see, that's what I was concerned about. But, because, like, that, that, the ritual is them basically, like, placebo, we believe in the magic, so the magic works, right? Correct. That's definitely the vibe I got, and I get that they couldn't say that up front, because Mike has that stupid reveal where he's like, oh, I lied about this part, or right. tactfully, tactfully, strategically omitted this fourth panel. Right. So I get that they couldn't say that up front, but like they had never done the thing in the first part where they, oh fuck, now I don't remember if they like make up their own weapons. He does a thing with the inhaler, right? Is that, does he scream with the inhaler? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So they do that part a little bit. I don't know. They don't really, in the miniseries, they very explicitly and kind of out of nowhere, one of the kids just realizes like, if we believe it, it'll work. 
<laughs> right. Um, I thought the, the thing about so the, like, obeying the rules of the form you're in was kind of weird. I I thought they were gonna try and I'd already seen this, but I forgot that their their answer is just to make him literally get tinier, which was kind of funny to me. But then they sure. bully him until he gets smaller, right. which is also fun. Uh, there are so so yeah, like when the the when Pennywise or the Deadlights first arrived on Earth, it came to this Native American tribe, and the wise men encountered it, and they named it. Uh, they gave it a name, and it was basically a battle of wits that was all happening like telepathically. But it was right. also like, it, like you know those. Um, like two philosophers have a debate and it's all like soft-spoken and kind of wry-witted and shit. That's pretty much what the debate's like with uh, the deadlights. Um, and whoever wins that debate, either the creature would eat the shaman or the creature would be bound and sent to sleep or whatever, like exile, basically. And... Uh, the turtle kind of lets Mike and Bill know like, Hey, you know, keep the pay, keep the path, uh, talk slow, talk steady, be wise about your nerves. It's a whole thing. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then the, the, the turtle like passes on to the, like another world or whatever. Uh, and they didn't really cover that in, um, yeah, they just didn't cover that. They, I, I felt it was explained poorly at best in the 2017-19 and not at all in the miniseries because they just left that part out entirely. Um, then, of course, there is the, uh, the infamous scene, which, you know, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it in the novel because of the way it's framed, but I know a lot of people are, like, uh, rallying against it. So... All right. Oh, I, I mean, have, should we talk about it? Like, I have nothing. I have nothing to say about okay. it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say it's not. It is not framed like people think it is. It's not like letters to hustler. It is not an erotic section. Um, it is framed and writ and wrote delicately and with purpose. It is not just uh, fan service of any kind. So, <sighs> what can you do? Um, going forward, we've got this TV show coming out. Do you think that it's a smart move to do the origins of Pennywise set in the 1960s, though? When, like, we know implicitly that he... it's it, it is older than that. Uh, maybe it'll be someone in the sixties, like researching it or something. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, nah. Um. <laughs> overall, you per- so you prefer the movies over the miniseries? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if I'll go back and watch both movies back to back again. That was a little much. I really like the first one. The first one is great. And the second one is an okay wrap-up to the first one. 
but I feel who like do I'm, you think had the better clown? Oh, I think I like Bill Overall. more. Really? I've got to go with Tim Curry. Yeah, I don't Pennywise, know. I really like Bill Skarsgård. He's good. I mean, I like Bill Skarsgård too, but like, I don't know. Pennywise feels more new, more unique in the miniseries. Like, he seems to have his own identity. I um, like they have... Uh, I just, there are a lot... Hmm. I mean, I guess they, they have, like, some pretty strong identities in both. I feel like they're just different. Like, he's more sort of, like, bombastic in the in the miniseries, maybe. Um, whereas, like, I feel like he does a better job at, like, one-on-one creepiness in the, this Bill, the Bill Skarsgård one. And there are some really cool... Uh. I was talk, complaining about how the movie is lit sometimes, but the parts where it works really well is, like, when they play around with shadows and Pennywise coming in and out of them. They do some Sure, or, stuff. like, how Pennywise is, like, anytime... Like, Pennywise is on screen a lot. Yeah. It, it, like, the his eyes will be there, or, like, the balloon will be there, or, like, there's stuff in the background where Pennywise is there. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't draw attention to it, which is nice. They don't like play a jump scare sound, but if you just look around, you'll see him in things. Right. Um, who do you think had the better Losers Club miniseries or movies? Uh, I think the movies. I think I think for both age groups, the movies have a better set of better set of kids. So I didn't think the so child, the child movie... actors. The child actors I thought were pretty bad in the in the TV miniseries one. All right, so uh, yeah, I, I, I got, I still got to go with the miniseries, and it just feels more authentic. I don't know, maybe it's because it was the first time around, and like there were no expectations, and then for me, twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen, like you kind of had a script or something to compare it to. Uh, you hadn't read the book when you saw the miniseries, right? And then you've seen the right. miniseries like multiple times since then. I'm guessing. Uh, actually, no. Oh, really? This was the second time I saw the miniseries, yeah. Alright, I guess it doesn't really, I mean, yeah. I have no desire to go back and rewatch. Not that it was, like, bad. But <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think I got... If I was bad. ever gonna re... If I was gonna re... Like, I'm not gonna watch Welcome to Dairy. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, if I was ever compelled to revisit this world again, I would just reread the book. Uh, I, like... It does every. It's the best of both miniseries and movie and more. I like just it's going scarier. It's creepier. It's yeah. I like yeah. going and finding people on YouTube who have read all the Stephen King stuff because I've never <laughs> do that. And then I listen to them explain the deep lore in like sure. a YouTube video, and that's perfect. That's great. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, and um, should have done this earlier. <laughs> Uh, it 2017, the budget was around 30 to 40 million. Mm-hmm. The box office take was 700 million. Jesus Christ. I kind of, it chapter two, 79 million, uh, with a box office take of 473 million. Okay. So, so it chapter one, killing it in terms of price to, uh, take. But I mean, even if you combine both, that's still a pretty crazy average, right? It's, it's like a yeah. billion to a billion point to one point one billion. Yeah, pers- yeah. It's it, 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 if we do the takes, and then you know the miniseries, mil- like 
the budget was twelve billion, but then twelve billion dollars on that thing. Or, oh my god, <laughs> twelve million. Nineteen nineties money. Ooh, twelve million. Yeah, no, I got, I got was it. the box office, but then seventeen point five and nineteen point two million households. So that's like multiple yeah, gotta, people per household, right? Maybe, yeah, but also, yeah. I mean. That's like mother, father, boyfriend, trans- girlfriend. Gonna translate into like ad dollars or something. I don't know. Sure, but it was aired in two installments from the 18th and the 20th. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Uh, so when it comes to it, Alex, do you want to reboot or do you want to deboot? Hmm. I don't. That's tricky on this. I feel like maybe, well, I'm t- it's tough like, with Stephen King because th- I feel like <laughs> he got like such a mixed bag of Stephen King movie stuff up until very recently. Sure. I feel like overall, I don't know, keep adapting Stephen King stuff. I, I'll, you know what, reboot. I'll probably watch that show too. I'm looking at a screenshot of it now. Are they going to talk about that carnival guy that they talked about in the Probably. In the fucking movie? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm not going to watch Welcome to Dairy, but uh, I don't think that they can do it. I don't think they can do it better unless they make it like a TV show and then they really try to like cover all the nuance the book covers. And I don't want to see that. Like, it would be too long. It would be too in-depth and it'd be too draining. Um, so I'm going to reboot to save it because I think the miniseries was great. I think the movies are good. Uh, I, I'm happy as it is, so I'm going to deboot to save it. This is apparently a prequel to the new movies, specifically. Yeah, it it, it ends it, it it's leading up to it yeah, part, part one. one. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, do oh. you have any? Uh... Yeah, I do. Oh, hmm? final words. Yeah, I oh, actually wrote something. Yeah. Into this. All right. What are your final words to our audience, Alex? Uh, yeah, I actually had kind of a hard time following the storyline in this movie. There are too many main characters. <laughs> I, I see what you did. I hate it, but I love it. It's going to be the same now, I think. <laughs> Made a New Year's resolution to try and have something to say for the final word. Alright. Alright, guys. We will see you again next week. He stinks and I don't like it. Well, we better get going. I wonder, will we ever see each other again? Who knows? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs, too. Search for more money.